All right, it's another edition of the Cats Illustrated podcast. I am uh, Justin Rowland, your host, and uh, we ju- I actually just finished recording with David Sisk and put up a really good basketball, basketball recruiting podcast with him that you will want to check out. But right now, joined by Jeff Drummond, managing editor, photographer, always does excellent work, whatever he's doing for our site. I had actually recorded a basketball podcast or a portion of a podcast devoted to basketball with Jeff, but we had some technical difficulties. And I hate that we lost that, but I am very glad that we're able to get Jeff on the horn down in sunny and hot Florida, where he is going to be covering the Citrus Bowl tomorrow. We're recording around lunchtime, late lunchtime on Monday. Jeff, how are you liking your time down there in Florida so far? Oh, it's really nice, uh, Justin. And I think most of the UK fans that travel down here will come back uh, spoiled for life <laughs> now on the bowl games, uh, especially if, if we're not going to be in the uh, college football playoff at one of those, uh, people are going to want to come back to Florida for late December and early January uh, because this this is how you do it. You know, uh, sunny Florida, 80, it was 87 degrees here yesterday, which was a bit too much on the on the hot side it's about 82 83 today which feels a little bit better and uh, people are just having a great time so you covered the uh the i guess the joint press conference with james franklin and mark stoops this morning and they're obviously making their final comments about the game that's going to take place tomorrow were there any any takeaways from that press conference between the two head coaches no you know Pretty generic stuff, but if if I took a, a big takeaway from it is these guys seem to, to really like and respect each other, and we knew that to some extent because Mark Stoops had had a, a press conference before uh, he departed for Florida back in Lexington and, and mentioned that James Franklin had been on campus in, in the summertime for a leadership uh, seminar that they had uh, for quite a few uh I don't know if it was SEC or just NCAA coaches in general, and and Franklin had spent some extra time with them there and and, and kind of hung out a little bit. But uh, and of course they know each other from the, a little bit of that time that overlapped uh, when Franklin was at at, at Vanderbilt. So um, both of them uh, had had a good sense of humor about things. There was, there was a funny moment uh, uh, when you know Franklin mentioned that. Uh, Stoops and his staff have done such a great job recruiting and getting into areas they typically haven't been into over the years. And uh, he, without naming uh, the name, he said, there's one from New Jersey that probably ought to be playing for us. Uh, <laughs> wink, wink, you know, Josh Allen. Uh, usually if there's a, a player of Josh Allen's caliber in the New Jersey area, it's a pretty good chance that he might be going to Penn State to play his football. So he kind of kicked himself in the, in the tail for missing out on uh, the defensive player of the year who, who could be giving him a headache in, in tomorrow's game. Yeah, for sure. Penn State has always had that huge brand on the East Coast, especially from the Mid-Atlantic on up. And uh, it's a it's a really strong name program for Kentucky to play on this stage. And I guess my perception of the game has been – this is like as good a matchup as Kentucky could have hoped for because the state it doesn't get any bigger than this stage. It doesn't get any bigger than this payout, you know, outside of a major one of the major bowls. And Penn State is a huge name program that has shown some real vulnerabilities this year. And I don't want to exaggerate 
the extent to which Penn State struggled. I mean, we could say they don't have any wins over top 25 teams, but they have beat, they did beat Iowa, they beat Wisconsin, they almost beat Ohio State. So let's not pretend like they haven't, they haven't played at a high level at times this year. But, but I think the matchup is, is definitely one that uh, there's a lot to gain, not a lot to lose, and a really good opportunity for Kentucky, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, I really believe that, uh, too. And you, you get that sense of talking to some of the people uh, from Pennsylvania you know, who were down here uh, covering that team. Uh, you, you sense there's a question in their mind about the motivation factor and will Penn State have as much uh, being here playing a Kentucky, which is, is still on the rise. And, and, and let's face it, you know, most of those folks covering Penn State are referring to this as a basketball school. Right. Uh, whereas, you know, Kentucky is playing a, a real uh, blue blood of the, the football end of things. And, uh, you know, what Kentucky stands to gain seems to be a lot bigger than what Penn State stands to gain, even though they're both 9-3 and three and, you know, chasing that nice 10th win. Yeah, Penn State is accustomed to playing in these kinds of games historically, but just looking over their uh, their last three bowl opponents, Washington in the Fiesta Bowl, Southern Cal in the Rose Bowl, and Georgia in the Gator Bowl, and just other recent opponents, Florida, LSU, USC, Texas A&M, Tennessee, Florida State, Auburn. I mean, they they do play in big bowl games. They generally play in front of big crowds. What's uh, I, I think a lot of people are expecting – a large contingent of Kentucky fans to show up at uh, Camping World Stadium tomorrow. How much blue have you seen down there? How many Penn State fans have you seen down that way? Or have you been able to get a gauge on that? Yeah, quite a bit of both. Um, in, in the area I'm in here at the, the official media hotel, seems to be a, a lot more Penn State fans than Kentucky fans. But when you get out around uh, you know, this part of town, at some of the attractions, you just see that royal blue and Kentucky stuff everywhere. Uh, it's going to be a huge contingent of UK fans. What do you think about the matchup? What are your first thoughts on the matchup? I'll share some thoughts as well, but I want to give you a first crack at uh, at how you think just big picture these two teams stack up against one another. You know, in looking at it a little bit last night, digging into to, to some of the stats a little bit more and, and matchups. I think Kentucky has a chance to do what it does well against Penn State. And, you know, the Penn State rushing defense, I think, has given up um, about 170 yards a game somewhere in, in that neighborhood and over 200 to four other teams. And none of those teams were really overly impressive, you know, when you look at it. Uh, so I think Kentucky and, and Benny Snell have to be, you know, licking their chops to get out there and establish the line of scrimmage and, and move the football with the run uh, like they have, you know, for most of the season and, and give him a chance to break that record, which is something that everybody would like to see happen as kind of the win the game is, of course, 1A. <laughs> 1B is get Benny that record. Right. It seems like to me, that in some of Kentucky's more high-profile games, I guess beforehand and even in hindsight, we call them some of their more important games, Mississippi State, Missouri, Texas A&M, um, 
Kentucky faced a situation where it was kind of a strength-on-strength game where it was their running running attack against a defense that their specialty was stopping the run. Again, Missouri, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, those teams were certainly better defending the run than defending the pass. And Kentucky won two of those three games, but they really um, lost the battle to establish the running game in all of them except the Mississippi State game. So I... Don't you think it has to it has to be a little bit more of a positive or, or maybe a little bit exciting for the coaching staff to see that Penn State has struggled to defend the run so much this season? Yeah, it, it really does uh, because you can go to your guys, I think, and they've had they've several weeks to do it, <laughs> to challenge those guys and, and get those guys hungry uh, to, to come out, you know, firing. And another good thing, that, you know, playing in a bowl game like this gives you is a, a chance to get back at full health. I've been told uh, by a couple of people that Kentucky's O-line in particular was, was a little bit dinged up late in the season at, at some spots. And this has been an opportunity for them to get feeling good and, and strong at 100% again. On the flip side, uh, Terry Wilson showed some real improvement, I thought, of the second half of the season. Just to trace his kind of development as a quarterback, early in the year, you got all the good, like against Florida, where it was just raw potential that was just rising to the surface, and you couldn't contain it at times. But then the turnovers and just the total inaccuracy on the deep ball. Then in the middle of the season, teams kind of had the film. They had the tape. They adjusted to him. Texas A&M kind of sat back and said, all right, we're not going to come after you. You're going you're gonna to pick us apart, and he wasn't able to do it. And there were some struggles, and they, he, he wasn't asked to do much against Vanderbilt. But then at the end of the season, he really showed some progress, maybe not locking on a guys quite as much, maybe getting over the fear of turnovers and be a little bit more aggressive with his arm and, and pushing the ball downfield. Um, but Penn State has one of the best passing defenses in the country. I mean, they have really been fantastic defending the pass. Do you think there's any hope with an improved Kentucky passing attack to get much going through the air, or do you think that's going to be pretty tough sledding? Well, going by the numbers, it looks like that that could be tough because they're I think they're number five nationally yeah. in pass efficiency yeah. defense, and they and they have a lot of sacks too. Uh, the, the, they may be up around number one in sacks. I don't have that uh, right here in front of me, but I heard somebody mention that they may have led the Big Ten or nationally yeah. in, in that category. But also, you you've got to think from Eddie Grant's perspective. It gives you a couple of different opportunities. For one, they've got to stay out of the obvious passing downs, and that's something you could probably say about every game. But you can't be third, eight, third, nine, third, 15, and expect to have a lot of success against this Penn State defense. But if, if you're third and five or less, I think that gives you a lot more options, and it gives you some of that run-pass option, too, with Terry that I think could be effective against the Big Ten style of of defense, and uh, we saw in the last couple of games Terry being a lot more decisive uh, with his runs when he t- decided to pull the ball down and, and, and take it himself. I think that's something to look for in this one that he can take advantage of how bad Penn State likes to get up the field and rush the quarterback. There were some some things that 
don't bode well in my mind for Kentucky's offense in this game. And you can throw all this out the window if what you're saying about the motivation is right. And I think that could very well be true that Kentucky might just come out a lot more motivated than Penn State, possibly. But two things really would be concerning to me is Kentucky is 101st in the country in red zone conversions, 79.4%. Penn State is sixth in the country in red zone offense and fifth in the country in red zone defense. So, yeah, they get inside the 20, they score. You get inside the 20. I think they've only given up one red zone touchdown their last three games. And then, yeah, and then so you say, well, maybe Kentucky is going to need some explosive plays so you don't have to execute like that. And Kentucky is 87th in the country in 20 or more yard plays and 87th in the country in 50 plus yard plays. And Penn State is in the top 20 defensively in 20 plus and 50 plus yard plays allowed. So, I'm not 100% sure where the points are going to come from in this matchup if you're Kentucky. The good news is I think uh, Penn State's offense has not been especially impressive this season. If you can key on McSorley and and Miles Sanders, Kentucky's defense could win the game for them, don't you think? Yeah, I I really think they could, uh, especially if they can kind of dictate the line of scrimmage a little bit. The one probably biggest question mark for me, and I've not really been able to gauge – too much from is the the overall strength of this Penn State offensive line. I, I don't think it's a great offensive line because they're just not discussed right uh, a, a great deal. And, and even to the degree, you know, Kentucky's had a couple of individuals that have uh, garnered some conference player of the week type things and All American honors. You don't you don't see that with Penn State. So there's a big opportunity, I think, for UK's defensive line if if it shows up and play stout to, to kind of take control of that aspect of the game. Yeah, I'm with you. I think um, I think Penn State is maybe a little bit vulnerable on both sides of the line. I was looking over the pro, the pro football focus player player grades for both teams, and it seems like at least that and, – and that's not a perfect system, certainly not. It's like three people analyzing it. But, like, the vast majority of their highest-graded players on defense are on the back seven, not a whole lot on the front seven. And I want to say only two players for Penn State's offensive line graded out above like 70 on the season. So certainly not as strong as Kentucky's offensive line. Just taking a step back at the bigger picture, what what do you think a, a win for Kentucky would mean in this game? And I don't mean even just like recruiting wise. Obviously, there's the Florida factor, you know, getting but just getting to 10 wins, winning a game of this magnitude, especially at the end of the season, which is, has been a difficult time for Kentucky football in many years just what what does this mean for the program if they can win it well for for one just think about the how small the club is at kentucky for players who ended a season or a career with a victory is over time in history that's not a whole lot of guys have been able to say that so that's a huge one and then when you take it out a step further and say you know that was a tenth win the pool gets even smaller. They have an opportunity to, to kind of become legendary. You know, I I don't know if fans would view it as that, but in the grand scheme of things, when you look at where we were at the start of the season and, and what expectations were, which was to maybe, you know, get back to another bowl game, but I don't think anybody saw this coming. Um, 
outside of Mark Stoops, perhaps, and some of those guys in that building. Um, but they've got a chance to really be one of the best teams in this program's history. Yeah, I think maybe with a small, small segment of the fan base, maybe a larger portion of our side, it's always going to be, yeah, but what about the Tennessee game? Um, but I got a call from my dad, who uh, I, I've always told people went to North Carolina. He, he's like, well, Justin, this has got to be the biggest game for Kentucky football in, in what, your lifetime? And I'm like, well, I mean, I think, I think the Georgia game this year was probably bigger just because if they had won it, they would have been in the SEC championship. But in hindsight, I mean, we know who Georgia is now, one of the three best teams in the country. I want to get your, your thoughts on that, on the on the, the college football playoffs so far. Is um, I propose that we just lock in Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia next year for a three-team playoff. Best regular season gets a bye. And it, just, it doesn't feel like anybody else has a chance at competing with those teams in the near future. Well, it doesn't feel that way uh, just yet. I wish Georgia had gotten that opportunity uh, this year. I've been one of their strongest proponents, right. suggesting that we we penalized them way too harshly for letting the game slip away in the last two minutes against the best team in the country. Right. And uh, I feel like we took the stance as they had their quote-unquote chance, which, you know, Georgia – probably views it a little bit different as they viewed it as a, a test that they had to pass, which was pass fail that nobody else had to do, <laughs> and especially <laughs> right. Notre, Notre Dame, who, who got put into the thing, you know, A, without having a conference schedule and B, without, you know, playing in a conference title game against somebody that's at least capable of, of beating you. So I, I felt strongly, in, in my opinion, I think Georgia was the second best team in the country and on a given day may have been the best. And, and, and deserve the shot to be in there mixing it up uh, with, with Clemson and Alabama. I just don't – I don't see anybody stopping Bama at, at this point. I would be really shocked if, if Clemson is within, you know, eight to ten points. Yeah, I don't – I mean, what Clemson did against Notre Dame was really impressive, and it's just super impressive that this is their fourth championship game appearance, and they've really held their own quite well against Alabama so far. but. I mean, I don't know how much stock to put in that Notre Dame game because I don't think there's really any doubt that Alabama would have done the exact same thing to Notre Dame, you know, nine out of ten weeks that that would be played. Um, as far as Kentucky back in this Citrus Bowl conversation here, do you think we're going to see a pretty standard game plan or do you think there might be any wrinkles? I mean, I I came across some numbers. Penn State struggles to stop the run in the first quarter for some reason, like five five and a half yards of carry allowed in the first quarter. Um, you think? You know, every time this year when I've wondered, is Kentucky going to mix things up? They've really doubled down on what they do, and that's just their identity. Do you think that that's, that's going to be the case again? You know, I, I wonder because you know both of these staffs are in their meetings trying to play that chess match in their mind before this game is played. And I could see, you know, part of Mark Stoops and Eddie Grant saying, you know, they're going to be geared up and around the line of scrimmage to stop Benny immediately, do we come out and kind of loosen things up early and try to, you know, pass the set up the run like, like some people do. And we've seen like, Kentucky try to do that a couple of times this season. It wouldn't be all that surprising to me in this one either, although I probably would go the other direction and say, let's just go, you know, best on best, 
you know what's coming. <laughs> we know what we're running, and let's see, you know, who the better team is physically. Right. And uh, I guess as far as uh, players to watch, are there any players that you've got your eye on this game? I mean, I one of the one of the things that I've told people in radio and and things appearances. I'm interested in how the freshman linebackers, DeAndre Square and Chris Oatesfair with Jordan Jones out. Trace McSorley is a guy you really have to key in on. 175 rushing yards against Ohio State. That's a big challenge for the entire defense containing him. His last game is in any line. You know they're going to put a lot on him, especially for freshman linebackers. Are there any are there any players in, in this game that you think we should be watching or that could have a big impact that maybe um, maybe we should be talking about? Yeah, those are those are both good ones. I'm excited to see those young guys and, and how they perform. The safeties uh, come to mind uh, for me too. There's going to be a lot of pressure on them with a guy like McSorley with his experience and and know-how and ability to kind of uh, dictate to some extent, you know, what defenses do. Uh, they're going to have to be really disciplined uh, back there. There, I, I think Darius West is a guy who, who could be a big key to the game. He seems to be popping up all year long in, in the key games right. as a guy on that side of the ball who, who ends up making a big play or, or, or making something happen. And this is the kind of game, I think, where he definitely could, especially with McSorley uh, in the run game. You mentioned earlier Benny Snell, and everybody wants to see him get the record. And I just kind of taken for granted that uh, uh, that he's the best running back in Kentucky football history. And you're you're a little bit older than me, you know. I'm tw- I'm 22, you're 25. <laughs> but uh, I, just jogging your memory, looking back into your uh, history watching Kentucky football, is it a conversation? I mean, is there? I guess it could depend on which way you look at it. Who had the best season? Who had the best career? Opportunity plays into it. Where, did, where does Benny Snell stack up all time compared to some of the other best Kentucky running backs and offensive players that you've seen? Yeah, it's going to be hard to make that argument if he smashes this record. And, uh, you know, because he, he's going to have everything on his resume that you could possibly want. The guy that still stands out to me watching uh, when I was uh, in college and starting out my career is Mo Williams. Mm. To me, he was the most dynamic and and dominant back that they've had, and that was a guy who did it with limited talent around him. Um, Just just an absolute warrior and an incredible athlete. It, It would be hard for me in my mind's eye to put Benny above him, but then I can't argue with the resume that Benny's put together. I mean, (laughs) it speaks for itself. So if he breaks this record, leads a team to a 10-win season and a Citrus Bowl win over the state, I'm going to have to tip my cap to him and say he's the guy. Yeah, I think for Snell, like, there's a part of me that just wants to say that he's been really good and he's had a ton of opportunities to put up big numbers, and it's just kind of been a custom-made situation for him. But I don't think that really gives him the credit that he's due. Like, not there, there aren't that many running backs out there who are capable of shouldering the kind of load that he did, and that's to his credit for sure. So, Jeff, I really even beyond, yeah, even beyond the uh, the numbers that he's put up, what he's done, I think, for this program 
in establishing a mentality to go out there and have this kind of season and, and try to get a 10th win in the Citrus Bowl, I, I think counts for a lot. Yeah, I'm with you. He's, he's a guy who not only has gotten a ton of yards, but he scored a ton of touchdowns. And in the SEC, those can be tough to come by as a running back. They don't always match up with attempts and yards. He finds Pater. He, he knows – he always knows where the cameras are. That's what I'm going to remember about him. 262 carries last year, 263 carries this year, and certainly one of the all-time greats. Jeff, appreciate you being down there, man. We'll be leaning on you for coverage tomorrow. Appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Thanks a lot. That was Jeff Drummond down there in sunny, warm, and muggy Florida. He was telling me before we started recording how muggy it was just walking around Disney Springs and some places. And I'm a little bit jealous, but as I've told you guys, I've got a seven, what is it? Gosh, about a 10 day old infant here at home. And it has been preoccupying me, uh, just getting stuff content wise for basketball and football, this busy, hectic time of year. And with the holidays, it's, it's been crazy, but I am blessed beyond measure able to, to write and work in sports. Uh, like this. I really appreciate you guys uh, being with us at Cats Illustrated. If you're not a member, you can still take advantage for a very short while longer of our $99 gear offer. Hop on the House of Blue. Jeff is going to be blowing out the coverage live from Florida today and tomorrow. Uh, Citrus Bowl action. We'll have our regular game chat and all the post-game snap counts and game grades and our own grades and you know, what Stoops are saying and the players and Franklin and Penn State people are saying, we'll wrap up the season, put a bow on it, make it neat and tidy with, with maybe some superlatives and awards. And then we're not slowing down in the offseason. We're going to be doing some deep, deep dives into just about every contributor on the team, which I'm really excited about. It's going to make for great content. And again, also going to be covering the basketball team. Football recruiting is going to heat back up again here shortly, almost immediately after the Citrus Bowl. Uh, where Kentucky has a few spots to fill. Not exactly sure uh, how that's going to play out yet, although we do know we're going to be tracking a few guys in particular. You can always count on us to, to do that right here at catsillustrated.com. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you have a great day. And as I said on the other podcast, please be safe tonight. Make good decisions and enjoy the start of what I hope is a very happy, healthy, and prosperous New Year for you.